And so, hello, and uh, for most of you, good afternoon from Maui, Hawaii, and welcome to this week's The Ageless Wisdom Mystery School webinar, during which we're going to uh, complete a little mini-series within our ongoing event. We're here, as you know, virtually every Sunday live at 1 o'clock West Coast time, 4 o'clock in the East, and uh, I anticipate, except for maybe an occasional holiday here or there, uh, that we'll always be here on Sunday Live. The replays are always available, of course, at the web teleconference link on my website, theagelesswisdom.com. In fact, the upcoming event, uh, there's probably people listening now live that came here through that same portal. So not only are the replays archived there, but usually by about Friday, the upcoming event is posted there as well. The website is theagelesswisdom.com. Remember the T-H-E. Click on homepage to go inside and then on web teleconferences to access the archives. The newsletter and comment blog is also archived at theagelesswisdom.blogspot.com. That's Google's name for a blog, theagelesswisdom.blogspot.com blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T, blogspot.com. And we have a new uh, web uh, blog that uh, we've just begun called Personal Empowerment Tips and Tools at focusedpassion.blogspot.com. There's just one entry there. I did it a couple of days ago. On, uh, turn it off your TV. And again, we, <laughs> like so many arguments, they're, they're usually offered to us as either or. You either have one or you don't. Um, I, I certainly have a TV and I love television, but I turn it off and I, I edit what I watch and I, uh, plan my time and I'll let you read the, uh, the post there that speaks for itself, uh, on the arguments for, uh, being judicious in the use of television. I also refer to a 30-year-old book called The Four Arguments for Elimination of Television by a former ad exec who uses the pen name Jerry Mander. I actually met him when this book came out. Interesting fellow. Four Arguments for the Elimination of TV. Uh, we touch on that, too, but that may be a bit much. I think you need a TV like you need a computer. But what are you going to do with the darn thing, you know? You can use a computer for Internet porn, or you can use it to save the world and, and all manner of other things. So I guess that's the way I feel about TV. So check the new Focus Passion blog. At, uh, check that out at focusedpassion.blogspot.com. Okay? Now, this little mini-series that we've been doing for the last five or six weeks is a, a cursory introduction to a program I developed years and years ago called FLY, Feeling Like Yourself, FLY. Learn to fly. Learn to feel like yourself. Today, Steve and I and our projects at FocusPassion.com call it Finding Yourself. That is your higher self, your true self, not just the characters and roles that we play in life. And you'll hear me say this a lot. Maybe I should apologize for saying it too much, but uh, 
you know, I, I think I was a junior or a senior in high school, a young person, when we read, uh, what was that book by Anne Morrow Lindbergh, Gifts from the Sea, about masks that people wear and the roles that we play. So I know at even a very young age, much less as we mature, uh, we have some insight into the fact that we're pretty much faking it in life. Uh, we have less interest in standing in our own integrity than we do in pleasing other people and uh, thereby trying to earn from some sort of performance the kinds of acceptance and approval, the love and trust and respect that we, most of us, aren't really very good at bestowing upon ourselves. And this is the, the trap we play. But to go even farther or further and say, well, okay, I play roles, but then who is the real me? If I play characters and wear masks and try to please other people, well, who is the part of me that's deciding to play the character? And what happens in life when I'm so busy playing the character that uh, I have forgotten that although I wrote the play, I've become a character in my own play and limited by the very constraints that I designed in fashioning this character or this role. I got an email from a friend this morning who said, you know, Michael, this is pretty heady stuff, and I suppose it is. Um, and, you know, it's got to be faced. And it's not that complicated. It's not rocket science. It's like, who are you? The part that... Uh, that tries to please, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with pleasing other people, <laughs> you know, uh, or even dedicating yourself to um, making other people happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We had dinner last night with uh, Doreen and I with uh, some friends, and a wonderful meal, and great conversation, and a lot of laughs, and we were all playing parts and roles and characters, and Yet, there is this higher self. Steve and I, in our program, Finding Yourself in Paradise, the, the, that program that we do is a premium podcast at FocusPassion.com. We capitalize every letter in the word self, not just the S in the word self. We capitalize the E and the L and the F, finding that self, that higher self, genuine, true authentic self. That's what the FLY program is about. And I still teach it privately to individuals, that is, uh, over the telephone as a six or eight session training. I, I, I did it for years. See, m most of the people that came to me as a personal development uh, trainer, a hypnotherapist, and a counselor were not people that uh, had such serious problems that they needed therapy, per se. They were basically healthy, happy, well-adjusted people that just wanted to, you know, gear it up, kick in the afterburners and, and, and get it on. So I developed this training over the years called FLY, feeling like yourself, your true self, the higher self, so to speak. And it's really the heart and soul of the um, career training I did for several years before moving out of Los Angeles and and coming here to Maui, a one-year-long, 160-hour 
classroom training as a career training in meditative hypnosis. And the heart of it was what I've presented here for the last six weeks. Today is the sixth of those sessions. And again, it's a cursory overview, but it's designed to, you know, sort of lay a a breadcrumb trail down for you so that you know there is more and all these concepts can be expanded a bit. And uh, so that's what the FLY program is, feeling like yourself. Six course sessions um, containing probably 10 or 11 of the best techniques from meditation and self-hypnosis that I've encountered in my 30-plus years in the field. So we started with three sessions on emotional intelligence, EQ. The first was self-love. The second and third were about healing emotional hurt. The second from childhood and the third interpreting our emotional feelings, our hurt and our upset uh, currently. Those were the first three, the EQ. Then we went to IQ and talked about in sessions four and five mental intelligence, IQ, problem solving and decision making. And again, all of those are available for you now, forevermore archived here at theagelesswisdom.com. Today we're going to wrap it up. We'll be here next week, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But today we're going to wrap it up, this little mini-series, that is, with session six of six, peak performance. And what does that mean? Is it sports psychology? Yeah, but it's so much more. And we'll use sports psychology as a kind of an allegory for peak performance in all areas of your life, emotionally and mentally and spiritually. <clears throat> Excuse me, there is uh, performance. And so we'll, we'll talk about that today. And you'll have this nice little package. You know, we also have this really cool widget or gadget that allows you to send links through the email of past webinars to your friends. So if you like this program and you know somebody else that would be interested, you can email links in a single email. In fact, we email it for you to all six of these classes. And that little widget or gadget is also at the web teleconference page on my website. Okay, When you go, you see the archive. Uh, the past programs, there's this little link that says send send a teleconference to a friend or send a webinar to a friend, something like that. And you just check, you know, <laughs> using little check boxes, you click off the, uh, the programs you want to mail to somebody and wham, there they go, the links. And I think that's pretty cool also. I want to call your attention to that. Again, I want to mention, because there's still people coming into the room, that um, you can uh, submit a question if you're on the web. If you're on the phone, for obvious reasons, we need to have you muted out. But if you're listening live today on the web, uh, down at the bottom of the page, put in your first name or first to last, if I recognize you especially, and the uh, city where you are today, and then the little question or a comment. Hit the submit button and we'll go to the uh, questions and comments a little bit later. We'll also have an audio journey for you, a guided imagery exercise to sort of install the concepts that we teach today, and uh, that's an overview. Now, before we begin, 
I want to mention a couple of things about next week's uh, webinar at the same time here, same time, same place. Um, it's going to be November, a week from today, uh, the first Sunday of November. Gosh, I don't even have the date in front of me, but I could do that easily enough, I suppose. I mentioned daylight savings time because <clears throat> nothing is going to change for you, but it's going to change for me. Let me open up this calendar. November begins on Saturday, so a week from today is uh, Sunday, November 2nd. Okay, So it is going to be daylight savings time for most of America. I think uh, Arizona does not observe it, but the Navajo Indian Reservation in Arizona does. And except for the rest of Arizona and Hawaii, everybody springs forward and falls back. Well, so it means that I'm going to be doing this program an hour later here in Hawaii, but you'll get it at the same time. If you're in the in the West Coast in the Pacific time zone, you'll continue to tune in to join us at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Sunday's West Coast time. And the East Coast, it'll be 4 o'clock. And uh, so 3 Central and 2 Mountain. That That will not change. It's like, why are you mentioning it? <laughs> if it's not going to change, well, it'll change for me. And there's a lot of really smart people that are going to wonder uh, next Saturday night or Sunday morning when you're setting your clocks back. I wonder if uh, Michael's going to be on at a different time. So provided you set your clock back as you're supposed to next Saturday night or Sunday morning, uh, then we'll be on at 1 o'clock uh, standard time next Sunday. Also next Sunday, you know, we're going to be just two days away from the election. I've had many requests from uh, listeners to this webinar and others to, to do a program that's about government and politics with this real important election coming up. And uh, I said that it would. And I will. And next week will be um, the time that I do that. I want to talk about, um, this is noisy. I wonder if that's coming through. i got a space heater here. Yes, a space heater in Hawaii sometimes. <laughs> or at 3,000 feet, it can be a little chilly. Um, I, you know, I don't want to talk about politics purely from a political or partisan point of view, for I am driven by interest in politics and government and current events, I think like many of you, is driven by my spiritual intolerance for injustice. Now, it's a funny way to say that, because tolerance is a virtue, and intolerance is hardly a virtue. Yet, um, when it comes to injustice, that is something that, I don't know, I think maybe we could talk about being intolerant of or even assertive, if not aggressive, in meeting. And, uh, you know, if I was a religious person, I would call it evil. And I suppose I could. Uh, not opposed to that. But I just think of injustice as... Uh, I mean, what, what could be more evil than our tolerance of hunger, for example, in the United States? It's absurd. 
And yet we do. We pretend it does not exist when we know that it does. Um, much less extreme poverty in the third world. Cruelty to animals. Um, homelessness. Um, how, how do we, uh, racial uh, prejudice, how do we put up with this? And, uh, and I know that government and politics has been held out as the solution. Um, corporations and other institutions don't seem to be able to do much. Probably educational institutions uh, can have a strong impact. Um, religion should, but often are part of the problem. Maybe a bunch of uh, individuals, maybe um, the institution we should look at is families, individuals working as families and community members. First at home, how can we stop the arms race in the world, for example, if uh, there's uh, abuse in the house? You know? So we got to, as the old saw goes, think globally but act locally. So next week I will make, not from a political point of view so much, as from a spiritual or philosophical point of view, my comments about the upcoming election. And I want to, again, invite you to join us for that. And we'll take your questions and your comments here, as we always do. All right, that'll be one week from today. And uh, again, if you remember to set your clocks back, those of you who are on Daylight Savings Time and go back to Standard, uh, do that Saturday night or first thing Sunday morning, and you'll be in good shape. We'll be on uh, as we move to Standard Time at 1 o'clock West Coast, 4 o'clock East Coast. All right. And I haven't figured out GMT yet. <laughs> I'll have to work on that. Okay, so let's go to Session 6, our class for the day today, our webinar for the day. And... Uh, Check uh, check the door here. Check the count. So, peak performance. Peak performance can be thought of as sports psychology, as doing your best in sports. It can be thought of, as I've often described in the past, lifting uh, stage fright to stage fever or oh no to oh boy. There's a performance there on stage. Uh, public speaking terrifies most people who'd rather have open heart surgery without anesthesia than have to stand up and speak to a group of more than six or eight people. Um, it's a terrifying thing for, <laughs> for a lot of folks. And uh, so... Whatever the nature of the performance, whether it's athletic or musical or acting or public speaking or, you know, performance in terms of saying to somebody who loves you how you really feel. And here they are ready to listen to you, to give you their attention, and uh, you're not able to express yourself because you're too uh, nervous or worried or uh, uh, stressed out and uh, so many thoughts in your head and that would be a performance or a job interview okay or uh, you know a job report that's due um, there's so many areas of our lives 
that we can think in terms of performance. So I'll probably use some sports psychology allegories here, but I'd like you to think of performance in the total sense. One of the issues that I want to address here today is, and it seems to be real important, that everything we've done till now, the first five parts of the FLY program, have involved using some sort of meditative state, the alpha brainwave state, paradise thinking, Stephen and I call it, to access a brainwave level where the mind is quieter, more clear, sharper, greater acumen, and the emotional nature is more calm and relaxed and therefore more sensitive. And so awareness is expanded or heightened both mentally and emotionally in the alpha brainwave level. <clears throat> Here's the problem. Many real-world situations at work, at home, in traffic, are situations where you need to do your best, but you can't just suddenly put everything on hold, close your eyes, breathe, relax, and do one of Michael's techniques. All right? <laughs> there are many times when you're going to have to pull it together now. You need, I would propose, and the good news is I have for you today a system, a technique, if you will, or a tool to pull on all of your resources on demand, instantly, in the moment, when needed, even if you're in a situation where you can't turn off the telephone and um, ignore everybody around you and say, excuse me, I'm going to my inner paradise, my place of perfect peace here, I'll be back in 10 minutes. You can't do that. Not too many people have jobs where they can meditate, right, on the job. Excuse me, I want to have a sip of my, uh, my tea. <coughs> this morning we're having a delicate blend of tension tamer and um, pear nice delicious pear tea for those of you who are joining me in tea time <laughs> here okay so you understand the uh, concept here and that's what we're going to provide for you today a system a technique a tool that you can practice that you can learn to condition yourself to in a moment's notice with a snap of a finger just ah uh, Breathe and relax and pull on the best resources available to you on demand. I'm going to show you how to do that today. But another issue I want to talk about in the context of peak performance today is practice. As I've mentioned in this week's newsletter and the reminder that went out uh, early this morning, um, we're always expected to do our best, aren't we? Do your best. I just want you to do your best. Well, be sure you do your best. Well, all I could ask of you is that you do your best. Well, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> and we do not do our best under pressure. We do our best when we relax and feel 
confident and at ease, graceful and even elegant in the presence of pressure and stress. But to do your best doesn't mean just keep trying harder. If sports psychology is about anything, it's about the concept that the harder you try, the worse you do. I'll use bad English, the worser you do. <laughs> and so, you know, that's real. And, and, of course, if you don't try at all, then you're not going to do very well either. So peak performance is the middle. It's the peak between stress and eustress, or between distress and eustress. Eustress is a great word, E-U-stress. It means good stress. The stuff that psychs you up and rallies you to do better, you know. But then there's that peak, that point of diminishing return where too much stress and too much pressure begins to degrade our performance. So you got to care, you got to psych up, you got to be in the game, but careful, don't go too far. Don't get too frustrated. You know, I've often said I, I never believed the angry tirades of John McEnroe, the tennis great, when he would slam his racket down and yell at the umpire. I thought, this guy is a professional athlete. He's one of the best in the world at what he does. He knows better than to become angry and upset with himself. It'll degrade his performance. <coughs> Excuse me. So what is he doing? <laughs> I always thought what he was doing was rattling the umpire or the referee, or the line judge, or whatever they're called, I'm not much of a tennis player, to get him uh, or her upset. So they give him the call if it's close. I've never met McEnroe, but I'd put money on it that that's what he was doing. He, I can't believe, would allow himself to get that stressed or that upset because the way it degrades performance. Well, not only in athletics and in artistic performance, but in all areas of our life, we have to manage stress. But as I said, we often don't have time, so today you're going to learn a tool to do it instantly. But if the pressure is to always do your best, and most of it, granted, is self-imposed pressure, we're the ones that are the most critical and the hardest on ourselves in terms of you got to do your best, you just got to keep trying harder and harder. If we always have to do our best, then how do we learn anything? When do we schedule practice? Another sports allegory. Found also in performance, though, in terms of art. Singing and dancing, uh, music, public speaking, don't we practice just like the athletes? Yes. But are, there, are we practicing in the other areas of our life? Do you practice before you go to a job interview? I don't mean with other job interviews. I mean sitting in the car in the parking lot before you go inside to rehearse in your mind in this alpha brainwave level the outcome that you'd like to create when you go inside or you know any other important situation it might be a date you know uh guys uh if you haven't figured it out yet the smartest women you'll ever date are going to let you do all the talking and they'll ask you a couple of questions and you'll spend the whole night talking about yourself two things 
use mental rehearsal to practice before <laughs> before you go to pick your date up. What am, if I'm going to talk about myself all night long? What am I going to say, and how am I going to say it? And then also practice. Could I be a good listener? Maybe I could get this young woman I'm attracted to uh, to talk a little bit about herself. And practice being a good listener. Practice, practice, practice. He said, I don't have time to practice living my life before I live my life. I have to live it spontaneously. Well, you can practice spontaneously, too. And if it's important enough, I mean, things worth, worth doing are worth doing well, I think. Right? So why not consider this idea of practice, of setting aside low-risk opportunities to play, to have fun, to goof around and take some risks, to try new things. Now, if everything's on the line, if it's a very, very important situation, then do your best. Go for the peak performance. But I'm saying we have to learn to schedule into our lives opportunities to practice. <clears throat> and you know what I mean by that. I don't mean practice necessarily with your eyes open in the physical world. Just like sports psychology, lifting stage fright to stage fever and so many other areas in our lives, it's about closing your eyes taking a slow, deep breath or two, ah, relaxing, going to paradise, you know, Christ consciousness, Buddha consciousness, enlightenment, nirvana, alpha brainwave level, come on gang, whatever you want to call it, go to that altered state of awareness, meditative hypnosis, and do your practicing there in your mind's eye. You see, if you can dream it, if you can imagine it, you're much more likely to be able to do it. I was talking about the influence of the mind on healing with a woman last night, a young nurse, and she was confused, hadn't really encountered it, and thought I was talking about willpower. And I said, oh, no, willpower has <laughs> got little to do with it. It's, it's necessary, obviously, to do anything, to initiate any kind of activity. You have to have willpower, but the power of the mind is imagination. The power of the mind is intuition. The, the powers of the subconscious mind, as we've learned in the last 50 or 60 years of research, are in these altered states marked by an alpha brainwave of 8 to 12 cycles per second. Meditation, hypnosis, it's in yoga and martial arts and and uh, accelerated learning and sports psychology, that's where the practice needs to be done. So peak performance has to include some practice so that you're not always doing your best. Sometimes you're goofing around, you're playing, or in a, a low-risk situation, you try a new angle. Let's say I'm a salesperson, and uh, I, I learned how to sell from these five people, and I've done a pretty good job of it, but <clears throat> I'm exploring some new sales techniques over here that I like even better, and I want to try them out. Well, you wouldn't practice the new technique with
your biggest account at the most critical juncture uh, you're going to stay with the tried and the true you see but if you create an opportunity to practice well here's a small account I could live with or without you know I'd like to be of service to them I think they could benefit from my product or service let's try that little tip I learned in that book I read the other day or heard on that internet webinar the other day with this account maybe we'll see you know practice a little bit and see how it works you see that's a very important concept it's just an attitude that you have that I'm not going to always do my best I'm going to consciously and deliberately set aside playtime to have some fun uh, to try new things. I don't mean to be any less serious when I'm talking about having some fun. I just think it's fun to explore, to, to turn things on their head. You know, the easiest way to create a variation is to do something backwards. Note takers, write it down. Do something backwards. Reverse it. Turn it upside down. Turn it inside out. Just however you can turn it around that's a great way to begin. It's not the only way, no either or here, but a good way to begin, a great way to begin to look at it from a different perspective. All right. Whatever we're talking about, however you visualize it or comprehend it, turn it around and or turn it upside down and or turn it inside out and try something new in a low-risk situation where you don't have that much to lose. Practice makes perfect, all right? Providing you're practicing making things better. Steve likes to point out if you practice imperfectly, that's not going to make you perfect, right? So if you uh, uh, do something, you know, badly and that's your idea of practicing and doing it badly. <laughs> you have to practice doing it well. And again, you can see the conundrum here and the, the importance of having a technique like the peak performance technique you're going to learn today for a mental rehearsal and to be able to do it on demand. Now let's go to, to, to this second point. This, this is really the heart and soul of peak performance. Well, how can I pull it together on demand? If, if at work or in traffic or, you know, in a, a heated discussion at a local eatery or something, I can't sit down and meditate for 10 minutes to clear my mind, you know. I mean, the truth is, in America, you cannot meditate in public because people will think you're dead or sleeping. It, it, is, such a, <laughs> it is such a rare thing to close your eyes in public. People don't feel safe enough to close their eyes in public, right? On the bus, on the train, certainly not in the car uh, if you're driving. Uh, although I've had a couple of naps at red lights that were memorable. Um, you understand what I'm saying? You can't meditate in public. You can't meditate at work. I don't know your job. Looking back when I used to have jobs, you know, I've worked in factories, I worked in a grocery store, I worked in an iron foundry. Uh, no time to close my eyes. And the white-collar guys, you may have your own office, but can you uh, uh, close the door and, and meditate?
meditate, you know. I don't mean guys, men and women, whatever, persons, peoples. Can you close you? Probably not. You get my point. So what are we going to do that we can instantly access these alpha brainwave states? We have to rehearse rehearsing. We have to practice practicing so that we can, in an instant, pull upon, you ready? The best you've ever been physically, mentally, emotionally, and you put all put all that together, and that sort of is the best you've ever been spiritually as well. How can I pull upon the best that I've ever been in an instant, in a moment? Okay. That's that's what I want to explore with you today. I want to check the uh let me refresh some of the questions. Yeah, a few of you have begun to use the uh, question box. Let me call your attention to that again. If you are listening live today uh, on the uh, on the web rather than the telephone, put a little question or comment. Most of you never do. The vast majority of people never use this. And if you did, I'd love it. Uh, just join the handful of people that always say hi or put a little comment in there or question. Some of the best stuff that comes out of this is uh, responses to your questions or your comments. So on the bottom of the page, just first name or first and last, the city where you are, and uh, you know just above that in the text box, put your question. All right. So these are the two key points that I want to make as we talk about peak performance at work, at home, in relationships, parents and kids, kids and their parents, um, you know, just to be the best that you can be, not only mentally, but also emotionally and physically and spiritually. And we're really going to pull it all together here today in a, a technique that has a number of names in um in hypnosis, this would be post-hypnotic suggestion. In neurolinguistic programming, NLP, which you may be familiar with, a kind of super hypnosis, um, advanced. Hypnosis for smart people, I guess, is NLP. It's really some good stuff. This technique would be called anchoring. So post-hypnotic suggestion or anchoring is another way of talking about practicing practice using mental rehearsal, visualization, and guided imagery to think more clearly and to feel more calm. And, you know, it's difficult sometimes. I, I, I have to deal with the fact that that when Steve and I talk about focused passion, for example, the passions of the meditative state, some people say, well, wait a minute, that contradicts what you always say about being emotionally undisturbed and tranquil. How could I be both? If you want me to be passionate, I'll be passionate. But if you want me to be peaceful and calm, like in meditating, then I can't be passionate. I have to be dispassionate. And... Uh, Boy, uh, with, without doing a, a big detour here or a diversion, <clears throat> I think this is a real important concept.
concept. When you breathe and relax and physically sit still, not only does the mind very quickly begin to quiet in response to feeling safe and relaxed, but the emotional nature, the turmoil and the turbulence of the emotional nature becomes calm and tranquil, peaceful, undisturbed. And the allegory of the water is one we use a lot. It's an ancient allegory, all cultures, all times, the mercurial or watery nature, the changeable nature of emotions. So choppy water you can't see into, uh, but when the water is calm, you can see through it. It's a very important allegory to work with. When you do that, when you breathe and relax, when you meditate, when you reflect, there it is again when you contemplate and the mind becomes quiet and the emotional nature becomes calm and undisturbed there is a feeling that remains it's a wonderful feeling it's been called love but I hesitate to use the term because love is so overused it is consciousness, awareness of consciousness, to be conscious and aware, to be awake. There's another way that I can talk about it, but to those who've never been awake, um, who hold on to fear as if it makes us safe and never really allow ourselves to see the bigger picture, how do you describe that? Or if we've just simply said never felt emotionally calm and and tranquil and undisturbed, that's hard to believe. We've all had some occasions of that. Uh, how would we understand the fire that remains, the passion, the love that remains? I would say, you know, read something inspiring. Go read some Rumi verses if you want to know about the passions of spiritual love that come from death to that love or surrendering to that love or allowing yourself again to die to the love that's a radical way to say it but uh, to be lifted up by that much love that much peace and that much contentment requires that we be emotionally calm and undisturbed you see something remains just like thoughts when you meditate and, and those eight or ten ideas that are clamoring for your attention begin to fall away and the mind gets quiet uh, down to four voices and then only three and then you get down to two voices just arguing back and forth <laughs> and then you take a step back realize you're neither of those voices you could just watch the argument and not get involved what remains is true same thing emotionally when you become calm and peaceful what remains is true. This is the place to practice our peak performance, whether it's sports or or music and dancing and singing and playing an instrument or public speaking, that kind of performance, um, or in communicating at work, in intimate relationships, uh, with your kids, with your parents. Uh, learning the value of listening, 
that's such an important one. And if you don't listen to yourself, you're not likely to listen to others. Steve and I did a a, a program in our Focus Passion, a premium podcast, Finding Yourself in Paradise, recently, where um, we talked about conversation. When you give in conversation, it's the part where you're listening, not the part where you're giving information or giving advice. Talking to people is not the gift. It's listening carefully and caring that is even a greater gift. I won't say it's not a gift to give somebody some advice and tell them something, but I'm arguing that most of the time the greater gift is to ask a question and shut up and pay attention. Pay attention. It's an odd phrase. Who are you paying when you pay attention? Paying attention, listen, and really hear what the person is saying. That's the giving in the conversation. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, that's something that we can practice as well. So in all these different areas of life, we can learn to create practice or rehearsal opportunities. And it's smart. It's smart. Now, again, if in your visualization, your meditation, your rehearsal of a particular performance, there is any kind of conflict or back and forth going on. Should I do this? Should I do that? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? Hold on. You've got to drop back to fly program four and five, fly session four and five, which are in the archives here. We did four two weeks ago and five last week. You've got to fall back to problem-solving and decision-making. And you may need to go back to one, two, and three if you have a problem there. What I'm saying is if in the alpha brainwave level, the altered state, calm, relaxed, feeling safe, and you're about to visualize your peak performance, right, that if you're not sure what that should look like or how it should sound or how it would feel in your body to do, then you're not ready to do the peak performance rehearsal, you see, to, to create the peak performance in the world. You may have to fall back to four or five. Remember, four, <clears throat> lesson four from two weeks ago, the problem solving was for those situations where you know the outcome, the result, the goal or solution. You're very clear on that. And you're looking for a way to accelerate your growth toward that particular outcome. That's problem solving session five, uh, session four, rather. If, on the other hand, you don't know the result that you desire, you don't know how it looks, you don't know the outcome, then you need to go to the fly lesson number five, decision-making, to get a better idea of what are my choices. How many, uh, how many choices are there here for me that <clears throat> I haven't seen yet that are really not all that apparent to me? And only then, when you've satisfied both of these needs for a goal, clear and specific goal, 
and the strategy of goal-oriented positive thinking to move you quickly, efficiently, effectively toward that outcome. Now you're ready for what we're talking about today, the peak performance of visualizing that desired outcome. All right. Now, let me tell you how this is going to look when you do it, and then I'll check the uh, questions and comments that uh, you've submitted, see what we have here, and after addressing those, we'll install this uh, technique, this uh, using, again, post-self-hypnotic suggestion or anchoring, simpler technique. I'll show you how to pull upon the best that's in you emotionally and mentally and spiritually and physically and spiritually in, in an instant, on demand, peak performance on demand, when you need it, you know, without having to take a break and say, excuse me, I'm going to go to Alpha for 10 minutes, I'll be meditating for uh, 8 or 12 minutes, and I'll get right back to you. <laughs> you just don't have that luxury in many situations. But here's how it would look. You'd be... You're going to learn a triggering technique, and this triggering technique could be bringing together uh, two or three of the fingers on either hand. This reminds some people of the Buddhist mudras, where Buddha in meditation would put the thumb of, of one hand or another on the first finger, or maybe the second finger, the third finger, the fourth finger, different positions were like different circuits, throwing different switches. And uh, much of this knowledge has been lost. It is so esoteric, but at least if you know about it and you're interested in it, you can look it up. And uh, look at pictures of Buddha and how the thumb is touching one finger or another finger. And Again, those are closing circuits. Um, and, and, and mudra is the word for that. Okay. So you can think of it in that sense, but it could be anything, I believe. This anchor, this trigger could be pulling on your left ear like Carol Burnett used to do to signal to the kids at home. Or, uh, I don't know, it could be uh, pulling a rubber band, you know, the stop smoking technique where you wear the rubber band and Every time you want a cigarette, you snap yourself with the <laughs> sort of a painful way of doing it, but hopefully you don't snap it too hard in order to, to get the point. Uh, the trigger that I'm going to suggest to you is called the three-finger technique. And again, it's at least a 150-year-old hypnosis technique, uh, self-hypnosis technique. Uh, I learned it in the early 1970s in Detroit when I took Silva Mind Control for the first time. I was uh, a young guy just out of college and uh, it was you know, 72, 73, 74, we was still the 60s really and, and um, you know, the Beatles broke up but we were still impressed by the impact of uh, the Beatles looking for gurus in the east and the, I think the Rolling Stones for God's sakes were even looking for guru, gurus at the time Peter Townsend was in the Meyer Baba and a lot of rock musicians were looking for some spiritual sanity in, in the east if not in the west 
and of course the influence of uh, psychedelics, LSD, and other psychoactive chemicals. This was a, a, a time of burgeoning interest for all of this material. So um, I took silver mind control. I thought, well, what I like most about it is there's no guru and nothing to join. In fact, that's what I like most about what we're doing right here. There's nothing really that, that no organization, you're not a devotee of anything except truth as discerned by you, not me. I'm not the master, I'm not the guru, I'm not the truth teller. I'm doing the best, but the ultimate arbitrator of truth, ultimately it, it's got to be you, right? And beware of those that don't remind you of that. In fact, if I stop reminding you, <laughs> remind me to remind you that you are the ultimate arbitrator of capital T truth in your life. The master that you're looking for is within you. All right, That has got to be the mantra of this 21st century, this new millennium, this new age. The kingdom is within so why would you look for the master out there in the world? If the kingdom is within, then the master is within you. And that's you. But we all have some growing up to do in that regard. So the trigger or the anchor is the three-finger technique. And what this will look like after we install it here and you learn it and practice practicing is to bring together the thumb and first two fingers of either hand in such a way that nobody even notices. I mean, nobody's got to see what you're doing. In fact, you don't really have to do it at all. It's just a way of reminding yourself and confirming to yourself that you're awake, you're aware, you're conscious, and you're about to pull on the best you've ever been in all areas of your life, right here, focused into this instant, right now. And you bring together the thumb and first two fingers of either hand, provided you've done the technique I'm going to teach you here in a few minutes and practiced it, right? Just bringing your fingers together isn't going to do anything if it's not triggering or anchored into this learning state, this incredibly powerful demand, peak performance on demand state that we're talking about. But that's what it would look like. Nobody would even notice. You're driving a car. Your hands are already on the steering wheel. How hard is it to put a thumb together with the first two fingers as an anchor or a triggering mechanism to create this focus? You'll understand this more as we do it, but I, I, I want to suggest that for those of you who are really curious about how such a thing could work, post-hypnotic suggestion or anchoring, that we remember by association. It's, it's worthy of reflection to consider that everything you remember has something else associated with it that allows you to remember it. Uh, it could be connected to any sense or sensation. It could be I remember once a whiff of tobacco smoke. A guy was smoking a pipe as I walked down the street, and a whiff of his tobacco smoke, and I just flashed back to childhood and being in my grandmother's kitchen, and she was baking cookies. She wasn't smoking tobacco, but the, guy, <laughs> the guy's tobacco 
reminded me of my grandmother's cookies. Or you go down a road you haven't been down in a long time, and all of a sudden you go past a couple of things that remind you of another time in your life. And maybe even of a song that was popular and that was playing on the radio and that you were really digging as you drove by this exact point, what, 35 years ago or two years ago or whatever, but driving by this place because you hadn't been there for a long time suddenly reminded you of another time and maybe this music was on the radio or vice versa. You could hear some song come on the radio or your iPod that you haven't heard in a long time and suddenly you remember that vacation or that city or that special love that you had or whatever it was, you see. So that's the way memory works. There's not much discussion about that. I can't point you to books. Well, any book on memory uh, is going to talk about association, I guess. And that's what we're doing here. What if we could create a trigger or an anchor that would connect the best we've ever been such that when we pull the trigger, put together the thumb and first two fingers of either hand, those memories come rushing into our awareness. The best I've ever been physically, the best I've ever been mentally, the best person I've ever been emotionally, the best I've ever been spiritually, rushing forward into this point in time and space. Kabam. Pretty powerful stuff. And that's what you're going to learn to do today. Okay. Again, this is a technique I've used for years and years and years. I've taught to hundreds and hundreds of people, and uh, it works. It's a very, very old technique. This is classic mystery school stuff. If you consider, and you know, you may want to type mystery school into Google sometime and just find out what is a mystery school. What What is better called that an ageless wisdom mystery school. What the hell is a mystery school? Right? Well, it's a school that teaches the mysteries. It teaches mysticism. And they're always about the middle of things, the heart and the soul of things, the center of things, and the way in which love as consciousness, as truth and wisdom connects all things to all things, creating unity out of diversity and uh, allowing truth to be found in the heart of all paradox. It's central to all philosophy, part of the perennial philosophy or the ageless wisdom, this concept. So you might want to Google uh, mystery schools sometime, but I'll tell you that in Greece, ancient Greece, in uh, Egypt, in uh, Tibet, and uh, probably every shamanistic drumming circle there ever was in Sweat Lodge, uh, there have been mystery schools where people have been taught to use altered states to expand their awareness. Could I say it any more simply? You see, it's always been understood by select women and men that the information that floods our awareness through sense and sensation is a diversion, and at best, 
a very limited representation of what exists in the world. And yet, it is so overwhelming to us as developing consciousness that, you know, our, we're, we're swamped by sense and sensation and often fail to realize that perception is reality, that we're really making it up by how we see it. And that there's so much more to be seen and heard and experienced than what the five senses provide. And so we have to learn to turn away from our senses. We have to close our eyes at times and turn away. And maybe even listen to some nice relaxing music so that, so that you know, silence is great. Silence would be even better. Silence is golden. That's the ultimate music, is silence. But life is so full of noise and discord and, and uh, auditory, what's the word, cacophony, that to listen to nice, relaxing music, Baroque music or New Age music, uh, can really help to take you away from your fixation on sense and sensation. And... So again, I know it's starting to sound a little esoteric, but it's really important stuff uh, to consider. And I, I have lots of material for beginners here, and I want to have some material for the more uh, intermediate and, and advanced students as well. There's just so much more than news, weather, and sports, so much more going on. And that's, that's what the mystery schools taught largely was uh, wherever they were located. Uh, whether it was Egypt or Greece or uh, Tibet or, uh, you know, uh, as I said, a shamanistic circle, uh, a sweat lodge, a shamanistic uh, drumming circle or a ceremony of, uh, of some sort. Uh, all of this is designed to create these altered states of expanded awareness so that you can see what otherwise would not be seen with normal consciousness. So... A little diversion there on the nature of mystery schools. Well, let's go to the uh, questions here. Let me turn my computer that way and uh, throw a couple of switches. A real good turnout today. I really appreciate all you guys stopping by. Well, Robert Intervine says Aloha and 73s. That's a secret code from Robert who... <laughs> 73 is a telegrapher code, meaning uh, good wishes, best of luck. And uh, it's in the ham radio, amateur radio tradition, that we say 73s to each other, just like the old uh, hardwired telegraphers of the, uh, of the 1800s, the 19th century, you know, the Wild West and the telegraph and all of that. They would always close all their messages with, 30, which meant end of message. Sometimes you see newspaper reporters put 30 at the end of their copy. And 73s means uh, good luck and best wishes. So Robert, 73s and, and aloha. We'll talk about aloha another time. Carol in uh, La Habra. Hello, Carol. She says hi to Doreen, too. We'll pass that along, Carol. And uh, Oxnard Randall says no questions for now, but uh, I'm enjoying the six-part class. Well, thanks, Randall. And uh, also, uh, our buddy John in Pittsburgh is online. He's just saying hello. So, 
try to see if anybody else is using the submission box. Yeah, here we go. Also, in Inglewood, Angelica is on with us again this week. Says, thanks, Michael. Thank you, Angelica. And from Surprise, Arizona, Lorelei. Never a surprise to see Lorelei. Uh, check it in, saying hi and hello, Lorelei, to you, too. It's always good to uh, know you folks are out there. And I know there's lots more who just, for whatever reason, uh, uh, I don't know, are you bashful? Make up a name. Call yourself Anon, A-N-O-N, Anon, and just say, hey, I like to see the cities, you know, especially the overseas cities. We had Dr. Kev on from Amsterdam a week or two ago, and, and uh, my friend Randy in Ireland, and Tommy Lewis, who just moved from Ireland and met Randy. That was so crazy. Two friends of mine who never met each other in America, both of whom I've known uh, well, Randy much longer than Tommy, but both I know real well. They're both in Ireland. I say, i got to hook you guys up, and it turns out they had already met on the street in Dublin. I swear to God, honest. It's just, how crazy is that? And uh, so that's what we're looking for. And uh, I'll check that again before we... Uh, wrap it up. But it's already seven minutes after the hour, so let's do our exercise, our guided imagery exercise for peak performance, for creating practice sessions in your life, and uh, visualizing your desired goals, solutions, outcome, uh, and, uh, and results. Again, if during uh, the practice of this exercise, I'm just going to install the ability to do it now, so it's not going to be a problem now. But when you go to apply this in your life, keep in mind, if there is, when you go to use alpha, paradise thinking, meditation, visualization, guided imagery, to rehearse peak performance, if there is a debate about the outcome or the goal, I suggest you go back to lesson number five, the one we did last week, and get real clear in your mind, do I know exactly what I want? And if the answer is yes, but you're not sure whether you know how to go about getting it, you might want to revisit lesson number four, just for the value of thinking positively, learning from your mistakes, the right proper and elegant way to deal with negative thoughts. You don't ignore them. You don't deny them. You embrace them. You harvest what you can learn from what might appear to be negative and then let it go. Some negative thoughts are brilliant, you know. <laughs> it's like, wow, thanks for that negative thought. But the attitude behind it that you're, you know, maybe bad or stupid or wrong, you can let that go once you learn. It's just smart. Uh, everything you know, as you get more conscious and more awake, of course you're going to get smarter and you're going to get more sensitive and your performance in all areas uh, is going to be better too. The secret is just awareness, consciousness, just to wake up and uh, to realize and to remember I have choices. So once that's all done, once you've reminded yourself you have choices and you've made your choice and you've begun to move toward that, choice, practicing peak performance on demand, in the moment, is what you're going to learn to do now, okay? But don't be afraid if in this process you sense some 
back and forth in a little debate. Um, it's just, a, again, not a problem. It's not bad. It just means lather, rinse, repeat. Do it again. Go back, <laughs> go back to lessons four and five and make sure you're straight. Or maybe you have to go back to one, two, and three. You know, number one, the very first of these programs um, that we did six weeks ago, uh, self-love is something I'd like to see all of you do every single day. You know, close your eyes, go to your place of perfect peace, and embrace yourself as a child of about four years old. And while you're there, maybe embrace yourself as an infant and as a 12-year-old, too. All the critical passages in childhood, we need to go back and rescue those kids. And uh, we worked on that in self-love, session one, and healing the inner child in session two. Check all those out. And again, use that widget to email these to your friends. We made it really simple. And what a gift. All of it free. All of this uh, uh, free public service of Focus Passion. Really proud to be doing it. All right. Close your eyes, provided this is a good time for you to do it. And get comfortable. Puff up the pillow or sit up a little straighter in the chair. Take a nice, slow, deep breath or two. As you inhale, pulling in strength and power, hold as you peak, and as you exhale, ah, feel the letting go. Go beyond where you normally stop. Exhale completely before breathing in, ideally through the nose. Another nice, slow, deep breath. Pause as you peek and then exhale through the nose or the mouth and feel the letting go. And after two or three or four slow deep breaths, allow your breathing to resume its natural cadence, its normal rhythm. Turn it over to autopilot and let your body breathe itself. And gently place your attention for the next few moments on the bottom of your nose and watch your body breathe itself all by itself. <clears throat> and just as if you've, in your imagination, sort of like set up a beach chair and you're watching the waves roll or maybe sitting in a in a field and watching the wind and the tops of the trees and the trees are waving. Watch your body waving, breathing, the ebb and the flow. As you detach, you're not the breather, you're just watching your body breathing itself. It'll be quiet for a little while, for just a few moments while you do that. Just let go of the thoughts, let go of the feelings, and without effort, watch your body at the very bottom of your nose, at the very point where the breath enters and leaves. Just watch the body do that all by itself. 
when practiced, this technique alone can take you toward learning to detach in the same way from thoughts and feelings. And to look at your thoughts and your emotions from a somewhat detached view, which of course gives you a bigger picture. <clears throat> that, that detached as in dissociated and unaware, but detached like one step back, zoomed out just a little to be more aware, you see. And I'd like you to allow yourself, still without effort, just let it bubble up, see what comes up. To remember a time in your life when you did really, really well physically. Your, your physical performance was extraordinary. See, three, four things popped in already. Now, it could be when you were um, in Little League and you got a triple and drove in the winning run and everybody, including your girlfriend, went crazy. It, it might be that you got a really good grade in school or that a woman or man that you really admired turned to you and gave you a really wonderful, sincere compliment and you just felt wonderful all over. Or a situation at work, or could be any time, anywhere in your life, that you did really well physically. Your performance was just superb. Take a moment and settle in on just one of those. Of all that come to mind, see which one stands above the rest. And allow yourself to remember that time. That physically speaking, you really outperformed yourself. You were just really on your game. And remember it. Use my permission and my encouragement as an opportunity to luxuriate in that memory. Of how wonderful it felt to do so well and to know that you won something, you accomplished something, you feel now like a victor. And it wasn't that you defeated anybody, that wasn't what it was about, it was this exhilaration at just being so good at something, having done something so well. It's sort of like uh, to luxuriate in the feeling of a peak performance uh, reminds me of sitting in the most wonderful hot tub I've ever been in. And Yeah, it's hot and steamy, but it just feels wonderful. And the little bubble jets are, I mean, I'm just soaking it up. Imagine the feeling of this one particular performance just being drawn into every cell in your body. And as you peek on this experience, bring together the thumb and first two fingers of either hand, slowly, gently, consciously, and just squeeze a little bit right now and hear the sound of a camera shutter clicking, click. And say to yourself silently, now, 
That'll be easy to remember. That'll be easy to remember. You just bring the thumb and first two fingers of either hand together, squeeze just a little, hear the sound of a camera clicking. And tell yourself, that'll be easy to remember, this, this one experience that typifies the best that I have ever been physically. Now, I want you to let go of the thumb and first two fingers. Just relax both of your hands and allow yourself to remember a time when you figured something out mentally, when you were very logical or very creative or very intuitive, deductive or inductive, a time that you were really smart. You solved a problem. You worked it out. You did your due diligence. And of all the times that are right now flooding into your mind, take a breath, step back. <laughs> you might be surprised by the one that stands above the rest, that sort of sticks out and seems to demand your attention. But go to that one regardless of age. Maybe it was recently, maybe long, long ago. And allow yourself to luxuriate like the hot tub in the wonderful feeling of, yeah, I was pretty clever. I was pretty smart of me. You probably never said it out loud to anybody and you don't need to now, but you can accept it, admit it, yeah, that I was real clear-headed that day. I was really smart. That was good. I like that. I want to do more of that. I like that. What a gift, my mental nature, to think, to conceive, to ideate. Wow, to realize. Cool. And imagine every cell in your body soaking up the feeling of at least in this one instance, having been really, really bright. And as you do so, bring together slowly, effortlessly, the thumb and first two fingers of either hand. Touch the tips together and just squeeze a little bit. There it is. You heard it again, that, that camera shutter sound. As you squeeze and you tell yourself, this will be easy to remember. You have two of them now. You have the best you've ever been physically, you're a good example of it, and the best you've ever been mentally, a darn good example of it. Two little snapshots you just took with your thumb and first two fingers, both of which you tell yourself now are easy to remember. And now remember a time when you felt really loved and loving and lovable. man I worked with in radio years ago, Dr. David Viscott, once said or wrote, to love and be loved is to feel the sun from both sides. Feel that now. To love 
and be loved, remembering now of all the times that pop into your heart and mind. Take a step back, detach, get the overview, and go to one, the one that seems now to attract your attention, to demand your attention. Go there and feel that love. Luxuriates like the hot tub in feeling loved and loving and lovable. Soak it up. Drink it in. Let every, let every cell in your body feel this love. As you bring together the thumb and first two fingers of either hand, and just gently squeeze the tips together, hear that camera shutter sound, and tell yourself that'll be easy to remember. Three peak performance states. Three frames of reference, really, that are yours. Ways of thinking about the best you've ever been, physically, mentally, emotionally, add them all up. Doing it for all the right reasons, the best you could be spiritually as well. Will be easy to remember any time in the future that you bring together the thumb and first two fingers of either hand in this way. Repeat silently in your own head after me. Any time I bring my thumb and fingers together in this way, the best I've ever been will immediately become available to me. That's easy to remember. And then feel a letting go feeling as if it's over and it's done. Take a breath. And as you exhale, say to yourself, that'll be easy to remember. Ah, let go. And as it feels right for you, open your eyes now. Wide awake, alert, refreshed, rested, back in the room. Check it out. Here we are. Oh, yeah, better. The webinar, peak performance, far out. There you go. All right. And that's sometimes called the three-finger technique. Again, it's a trigger. It's an anchor, to use NLP terms. It's um, post-hypnotic suggestion using self-hypnosis terms and the terms from hypnosis, and uh, it works. And it works for the reasons that we've already explained. But practicing how you practice is a practice as well. Okay, so practice perfectly, better and better to get perfect, and just consider the importance of practicing. In other areas of your life, you practice your golf game, you practice your tennis. I mean, there's such a thing as going on the golf course with your friends to play a game, but don't you don't you practice your putting at other times? Or don't you hit a bucket of balls at other times? Uh, if you're a tennis player, don't you just uh, volley sometimes to practice and loosen up or work on your serve and hit a bucket of balls? Of course you do. You do that because it helps you to get better, because you're free to make mistakes in those situations. Well, do the same thing in your life. Set aside times to practice low-risk situations where you can goof around and play, have fun, make some mistakes, and learn a whole lot. Okay, And then practice your peak performance as well once you got it done. Okay. 
So we'll be here next week and the week after that and the week after that every Sunday, 1 o'clock West Coast time, 4 o'clock Eastern. The Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. And I hope you'll continue to help us to spread this virally. Send the email invitations to your friends when you get them, the ones you know are interested in this stuff. And use that cool little widget on my website, that gadget, to email links to past webinars to your friends. Okay, as many as you want, to as many friends as you want. It's all under the web teleconference link at theagelesswisdom.com. And whether you're listening live now or to a replay, if you're looking at the web page, you'll see some links in the lower right of the page. You'll see my LinkedIn profile above that. You'll see the newsletter archive and comment blog. Just above that, you'll see the link to my website. And uh, the audio archives are in there. That's right, I took the LinkedIn profile off, didn't I? Newsletter, comment, blog, the audio archives, the ageless wisdom, and the big button that says Unleash Inner Peace takes you to FocusPassion.com, where for just 99 cents a week or a contribution greater than that, you can join us in changing the world by changing yourself one person at a time. Unleash inner peace. The kingdom is within you. The master is within you. Here's some really cool tools and techniques to help you do that, to be all you can be. I want to thank you again for listening. Thank you for being here. I'll look at any questions that you have. If you want to put them up before I go, use the submission box at the bottom of the page or for live. And as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha.